0: Pastor Xavier says, faith in God is to be exercised based on what he will do as well as what he won't.
1: Jonah didn't run away because he didn't know God. Jonah ran from God because he knew what God could do. He knew God could forgive the Ninevites. He didn't want God to forgive the Ninevites. Sometimes people bail out because they don't want to see God work in the way he said he worked because that means they have to be committed. And that means they have to die to self under God's direction. They don't want that.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Nothing good can come out of a scenario where we have a better opinion of our own policy than of God's wisdom. We ruin ourselves by believing the reports and representations of sense, rather than divine revelation. And so this was the lesson learned of the children of Israel at the border of Canaan just short of the faith that would take them into the promised land. Here's Pastor Xavier illustrating the simple truth of Numbers 13. We walk by faith, not by sight.
1: I've entitled the message, The Sin of Unbelief. The sin of unbelief is not just refusing to believe God's Word, but failing to trust what He has promised to do or able to do. There are many things within the Scriptures About unbelief and the sin of unbelief, but this morning we want to confine ourselves to chapter 13 of the book of Numbers and observe six things about the sin of unbelief. Let's look at the first and we'll take one at a time. Unbelief does not believe God's word by faith but seeks to verify it by sight. Verses 1 and 2. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I have given to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, everyone, a leader among them. Notice the text tells us that God commanded Moses to send out the men to spy out the land. Verse 1 and the first portion of verse 2. Yet the book of Deuteronomy tells us that the people were the ones who requested the search party. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 19 through 22. So that's why it's important that you study the whole of Scripture. Because if all you studied was Numbers, you would conclude that it was God who sent them into the land to spy it out. But as I learn and study the whole of the Scriptures, then I realize there are other aspects which supplement that very event. The book of Deuteronomy also records that the man Moses was pleased in his request. Chapter 1, verse 23. And so as we look at those books, we realize that God allowed something He never willed. Now that kind of almost seems contradictory, doesn't it? When you look at God's will, there's two aspects of God's will, and we'll see this as we move on. Number one, God's perfect will. The absolute will that will be done, nobody can thwart the purposes of God. God's second coming is going to happen, no matter what. And there's things that are going to happen. But there's some things that are God's will for your life and my life. That will never happen because of our unbelief. And they do not alter the ultimate purpose of God. Now, notice also the text tells us that God was giving them the land. Very straightforward. The land was promised to Abraham and described in boundaries in Genesis 15, 18-21. through 21. And as you study the Old Testament, you see that the revelation is progressive. God keeps expanding it. But he promised Abraham the land, gave him the boundaries, defined the boundaries. But he also told Moses, when he sent him in to deliver the children of Israel, that he would give them the land in Exodus 3.17. And you will notice this as you study the Old Testament. The land and the people are always tied together. The land was theirs. But notice also the word of God was not being believed by faith, but was sought to be verified by sight. The twelve were chosen. One from each tribe, verse 3 through 16. The objective was to survey the land in three ways. You get that from verses 18 through 20. First, the strength of the people. Second, the strength of the cities. Thirdly, the strength of the land to produce. Unbelief does not accept the evidence of God, but ignores the evidence of God. Thirdly, Unbelief does not deny the promises of God, but reasons them away. Verses 27 through 29. Then they told him and said, We went to the land, these are the ten, to Moses, where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, oh, nasty word. The people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and Jebusites and the Amorites dwell on the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. They saw themselves surrounded by the enemy. In verse 29. The Amalekites in the south, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites on the mountains, the Canaanites by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. They didn't have any hope. They didn't see any way out. This is all they saw. This Now, in the backdrop, God has said, I've given you the land. Unbelief. Fourthly, unbelief does not reside in the minority, but in the majority. This might surprise you. He says, then Caleb, as he heard the report of these ten, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and says, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are able or well able to overcome it. There's a man of faith. He declared that they were well able to overcome it because he believed God, not by sight, not by emotions, not by reasoning, but by faith. But notice the ten who went out with Joshua and Caleb gave the bad report of unbelief. The two were the minority among the twelve. The two were the minority among the 600,000 men of war. The two were the minority among the two to three and a half million people. How would you like those odds? (laughs) The minority are those of faith. The majority are those of unbelief. Fifth, unbelief does not encourage God's people, but discourages them. Verse 31, But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Notice first the 10 discouraged the people from trusting God by contradicting God's word. They were defaming God's character and accusing Him of endangering them. We are not able to go up against the people. How often we can accuse God of endangering us? How dare God ask me to do this? How dare God ask me to suffer? How dare God put me in this predicament? Doesn't sound so nice when we look at it that way, does it? We're charging His character. His character of holiness, justice, righteousness. His very nature of love. We're insulting His attributes of all knowledge, all power, all presence. And we do this because... We dwell in unbelief. They were calling Caleb a false witness. You're lying, Caleb. Interesting how 12 men saw the same thing, 10 saw the evil report, and 2, the good report. It happens. Notice, secondly, they were seeing the enemy through the eyes of unbelief. They are stronger than we they were trusting in themselves for the victory, not God. Who do you trust for your victories? I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me, Paul says. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. They were not including God in the equation. And whenever you fail to equate God in the equation or on myself, then I will end up in this place. I must always include God in the equation. Whether you are in business, whether you are just working for somebody, whether you are just trusting God for the smallest of things, you must equate God in the equation all the time. He is the common denominator for all things. Sixthly, unbelief does not see accurately, but distortedly, verses 32 and 33. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out. Saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, they came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Notice first they declared the land devoured the inhabitants. They could have been referring to the warlike people that ravaged the land and made it infertile but certainly it was not all the land but they saw a portion of the land and they equated it to be all the land you see they were generalizing as well as contradicting their very own proclamation that the land was a land of milk and honey and whenever i dwell in unbelief, my vision will be distorted. And I will have a tendency to generalize things. Your children do this often. We never do this. You never buy me that. You never let me go. And you know it's a lie. <laughs> but they're taking a fact of that one thing you're saying no... And they're generalizing it, and they're putting it a blanket across everything they've ever done. We do the same with God. Why always me, Lord? How come me always? Why today of all days? Won't you give me a break? <laughs> all kinds of things we say. As if God is just looking. Okay, let's see. How can we get him, Gabriel? Look for a big pothole. Let's see. As if He's out there to get us. Notice, secondly, they declared that all the people they saw were men of great stature. They put fear in the people to cause them to respond in unbelief. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. I'm not talking about not looking at reality. I'm not talking about... Ignoring the circumstance. I'm talking about confronting and dealing with it apart from fear and seeing God in it. And what God's Word says. They were exaggerating out of unbelief. They did not include God in the equation. Therefore, no hope was in sight. And that's where people end up. The bottom line is no way out, no hope. What happens? They toss in the towel, people. They give it up. I have seen marriages, I have seen people's lives where God has done a tremendous work and God has just blessed them, and you know what? They throw it all away. They throw it all away because they become self-will. They do not believe God for the things He says He can do, or they dwell in unbelief because they don't want to see God do what He said He will do. Okay? Okay? Jonah didn't run away because he didn't know God. Jonah ran from God because he knew what God could do. He knew God could forgive the Ninevites. He didn't want God to forgive the Ninevites. (laughs) Sometimes people bail out because they don't want to see God work in the way he said he worked because that means they have to be committed. And that means they have to die to self. That means they have to humble themselves. That means they have to be under God's direction. And they don't want that. So unbelief can hit both sides. Now, having looked at these six sins, and manifestations of the sin of unbelief, unbelief does not have to be in our lives as Christians. First, unbelief will keep us from God's full rest. When you get some chance today, go home and read Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, down to the end of chapter 4. This is the parallel to what we're studying in the book of Numbers. Let me just give you a brief outline of it. First, the example of Israel's unbelief of a hardened heart is reviewed from verse 7 through 11 in chapter 3 of Hebrews. An example of Israel's unbelief of a hardened heart is reviewed. It begins with a hard heart. Secondly, the warning against an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God is exhorted. Verses 12 to 19 of chapter 3. Notice, That there, it's from departing from the living God of unbelief. Who's he talking to? Christians, not non-believers. He's warning Christians about departing from the living God. A non-believer cannot depart from God. He is not with God. He is warning believers. Please understand when you read Hebrews, it'll clear up a lot of the seeming difficulties. Thirdly, the application there in Hebrews is fourfold, and you find that in chapter 4. First, verse 1, let us fear lest we fall short of entering His rest. Number 1, here's your application. Fear lest you fall short of entering into His rest. Number 1. Number 2, let us be diligent to enter into His rest lest anyone fall short after the example of disobedience. Be diligent, that's your part. It's God that wills and does of his good pleasure, but you're to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Three: Let us hold fast our confession of Jesus, our high priest, chapter four, verse 14 through 15. Hold fast. Don't let go. Hold on. Number four: let us come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace to help in time of need. Chapter 4, verse 16. Let us, let us, let us, let us. There's the application. God has done everything. What are you doing about what God has done? Are you living it out in faith or unbelief? Thirdly, unbelief can result in God's permissive will in contrast to His perfect will, resulting in second best due to the consequences. Now, some people object to this. say, oh, no, no, no. All oh, there is. We've looked at many things through Scripture, and here we have it once again. It was not God's will that they search out the land, yet He allowed the spies to be sent out. What would you call that? That's God's second best. God's permissive will. It's not His perfect will. Saul was not God's perfect will, King Saul. It was the people's will. They wanted a king like all the other nations. They rejected God their king, and they chose to have a man as their king, to be like the other nations, second best, permissive will. What was the outcome of that? Israel got in deep trouble. What was the consequence of going and spying out the land? Big trouble. Abraham was told that he was going to have a son of his own loins from Sarah's womb. But instead, they ignored God's evidence. They reasoned it away. They dwelt in unbelief, and he went into Hagar sexually. She conceived, and an Ishmael was born to him. God's perfect will? No. God's permissive will. Second best. The Jews are paying to the very day. The Ishmaelites, the descendants of them, are the Arab nations. Interesting. How are you living your life out? God's perfect will or God's permissive will? Make sure you settle for God's perfect will. The permissive second best has devastating consequences. Irreversible at times. Fourthly, Unbelief is not a mark that's to be in the lives of the believer. The believer is to live by faith which results in hope and trust in God. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And it is based on God's Word, not man's, Hebrews 1.1. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. God working in me to believe His Word and make it alive and to trust Him. Faith was the basis by which the elders, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, and many others came to receive and experience the benefits of God and the blessings of God in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. Interesting. Men have halls of fame. God has halls of faith. (laughs) There are no famous people. Just faithful people. The Bible tells us that without faith it is impossible to please God. For those that come to God must believe that He is and that He is the reward of those who diligently seek Him. Hebrews eleven six. 6. Diligently seek Him. A man one day was walking along a narrow path, not paying attention to where he was going. Suddenly he slipped over the edge of the cliff. As he fell, he grabbed the hold of a branch hanging there. He knew he couldn't hang on too long. And he began to call out for help. Is anyone up there? The voice said, Yes, I'm here. The man said, Who's that? The voice said, The Lord. Lord, help me. Do you trust me? I trust you completely, Lord. The Lord said, Good. Let go of the branch. The man said, What? (laughs) I said, Let go of the branch. The man, after a long pause, Is there anyone else up there? (laughs) You laugh because that's you and that's me. No, there's no one else up there. You have to trust him. Unbelief does not have to be in our lives, but it can be. The choice is ours. Six things, very important, don't forget them. Unbelief does not believe God's Word by faith, but seeks to verify it by sight. Are you being impatient in your marriage, living by your feelings, emotions, and your sight, rather than faith in God's Word or your single life? Then you need to trust Him. Secondly, unbelief does not accept the evidence of God, but ignores the evidence. Are you ignoring all that God has done for you in the past and in the present because your will has become preeminent? Are you afraid that God can't do it through you? Or are you one who knows what God can do and you don't want Him to do it? You don't want to go back to that mate. You don't want to resolve the issue. You can be on either end. Thirdly, unbelief does not deny the promises of God, but reasons them away. Are you reasoning away God's power to forgive and to restore your love for a mate, for a friend, for a loved one? You don't understand what they did. It doesn't matter. Are you reasoning it away? Listen to your Lord and Master hanging on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. There's your potential in Christ. There's your potential in mine. Fourthly, unbelief does not reside in the minority, but in the majority. Are you best described as one of the ten with the evil report or one of the two with the good report as you live out your life? Fifth, Unbelief does not encourage God's people, but discourages them. Are you a model of faith or unbelief to others in life? Do you encourage or do you discourage? Even David had no one to encourage him. He encouraged himself. Why art thou disquieted within me, O my soul? Hope thou in God. (laughs) You ever been there? Oh, I have. Is that mind over matter? You talk to yourself. No, you talk to yourself. You get confused and dizzy. You talk to God, you get encouraged. You trust in God. Sixth and last, unbelief does not see accurately, but distortedly. Are you failing to enter God's rest because of eyes of unbelief? And you're wandering in the wilderness? Then believe God and occupy and possess the land that he has given to you in Christ Jesus. Everywhere your shoe or your foot shall tread, that shall be yours. You know God's word. You know what he wants to do. You know what he has done. You know what he is able to do. Now you trust him. You walk by faith, and he will blow your mind.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese with a lesson of walking by faith not by sight in today's Simple Truth Study of Numbers Chapter 13 today and just before we close let me take these last moments to mention that copies of today's study simply titled The Sin of Unbelief are available as always on CD for just $4 and this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well so once again the title to ask for is simply The Sin of Unbelief 9-1-1-0-7. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese.